there are some referees at the World Cup right now that have a day job. Oh, not up on your Uzbekistani refereeing <laughs> protocols. I just wonder, like, I, obviously... You finally did... got him, Scott. <laughs> you finally got him. Good work. Dang it. You found a country where he doesn't uh, know the referees. Alright, welcome to the latest edition of the Fantasy Soccer FC Podcast. This is David Smith. Scott Weeby, Brian Chesco. Gentlemen, welcome back. Hey you man, are. I feel like I just produced a pod, so you did. I can't wait to do another. You did, we had one sitting in the cooker for six, six days. What a, whoever's in charge of production really needs to get it together. Hey, you know what, it's alright. We've said lo- we've said lots of times that we're three dudes with, with busy lives. Yeah. We do this for fun. Whoever's in charge of production, honestly, the intern needs to uh, consider their future. Let's get Stat Boy to uh, step up his game a little bit. Yep, agree 100%. Well, we have a guest today, and it is not our intern. We don't let him speak. No, the intern is not allowed to speak. Absolutely. But we do have a a special guest. This is our first uh, two-time guest. It's our first returning guest. That's right. That's right. Andrew uh, the Ref is here. Is it a pod brace? Is this a, is this yes. a brace? Yes. <laughs> yes. An appearance brace. An appearance brace. That's absolutely right. We brought you on. It is summer. We've got some time before matches are getting ready to start, although the end of June is here, and therefore we're less than a month and a half away from the start of the Premier League. Too far. Very yep. exciting. However, we thought it might be a great time to uh, take the collection of questions that we've accumulated <laughs> over mm-hmm. the last year. The, the kind of stuff that, honestly, we ask you about all the time, Andrew, on Slack during the matches, during the week, in between matches when the season's going on. Slack.com. Shameless promo for Slack. <sighs> One day they'll sponsor us. <laughs> and we thought we'd just bring you on and, and ask you all the questions that we have in one show. I don't know Howard Webb. You don't know Howard I Webb? I don't. How Quest- about Klatz? I don't know Klatz. All right, CLA. Mike Dean? I don't... I don't know that I want to. What about the? What about Tubby? Who's uh, John Moss? <laughs> That's Mike. What about John Moss? You know John Moss? T- Tubby can could be a couple of people. Uh. <laughs> oh my! All right, for for those who maybe missed the first time you were on our podcast, Andrew, give us your credentials again. Obviously, you are here with us in the United States, so kind of bridge that gap between the U.S. refereeing system and what maybe some of our listeners in Europe would be used to. Yeah, so either way, a uh, registered official in, uh, under U.S. soccer. Uh, I do everything up to semi-professional slash professional, uh, lower-level professional leagues here in the States. Uh, so for U.K., it would be pretty much anything other than uh, a league competition. Um, obviously, in, in the U.K., the pyramid is a little bit bigger. Yeah. Um, so pretty much anything uh, under League Two is is what I would be officiating. Um, but on the rise, on, on the rise, yes. Um, actually, I am in the throes of professional season right now, in a, in a bunch of different semi-pro and pro leagues here in the states. We've been following it. You've been sending us pictures of new new places that you've been referring. Yeah. It's been exciting to watch, and uh, so it's good good to hear. All right, well, we're all here. Andrew's here with us. We're going to do this. Four-way conversation here. We've got at least five things we want to send your way. And I'm going to go ahead and start with um, 
with a certain type of play. I want to get your opinion on this play. It's something that's become more and more prevalent in the Premier League especially. And to me, it seems kind of obvious uh, as a play that could be eliminated. It's the kind of play when there's a 50-50 ball in the air, usually usually you know, a, a long uh, free kick from a goalkeeper or something like that. And, and two players from opposing teams go up in the air for this 50-50 ball, and you've got one guy who goes up with his elbows. Yeah, yeah. Swings the elbow. To help people picture this play, I'm going to give it a name. I'm going to call it the Fellaini. All right. <laughs> so Apt description. When there is a Fellaini that occurs, what are the rules about said play? Are there rules about this type of play? Is this mm. something that we could easily eliminate from the Premier League? Uh, so yes and no. So in general, uh, referees, whether it's a, an elbow, a trip, a push, whatever the case is, um, there's three phrases that you'll see come out when evaluating a, a situation, a, a potential foul. Is it careless? Is it reckless? Or is it using excessive force? Um, those are three phrases that get used constantly. Sounds like the three kind of driving violations that Brian receives on a regular basis. <laughs> right. Yeah, careless, exactly. reckless, <laughs> yeah. excessive but speed, that, slash look, force. Road rage does not apply right. the same way whenever you're playing in the middle of a game. Now I'm just imagining Fellaini speeding down the road with an elbow at his window. He probably yeah. does in a Mini Cooper. But anyway, I digress. Back to you. Yeah, so um, there are a number of players that you're consistently making these Fellaini-type challenges. Um, so we have to ask, okay, is it is it negligible? Or the word we use constantly is, is it trifling? Is it just, oh, he's jumped oh. up in the air, his arms have come up. Wait, really? But it's, yeah, the word is trifling. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. So if you see contact, if you see things that you, oh, he's clearly tripped him, but it's just a little bit of contact. As referees, we might actually evaluate that play and says, yes, the player is tripped. Yes, there is contract contact. There's not a contract. <laughs> uh, but the contact is trifling. Um, huh. So the the hard part is that that obviously changes at different levels. When explaining that to a coach or a manager, <laughs> and you bring out coach that was trifling, that's true. Yeah, what exactly do they say? <laughs> Are they already yelling, or they have they not yelled so far? They're already yelling it probably at this point. Most people yelling just keep on yelling, so that doesn't make a difference. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Right. Yeah, so, and it's, I mean, we can sit and we can we can go through a list of the consistent characters who every single challenge are coming in, and we ask the question, why doesn't this guy get a foul every single time? Why doesn't this guy get, I would say, like six red cards a match, but obviously that's impossible. But why isn't this guy getting sent off every single match? He's constantly tripping people. He's constantly pushing people. I know David Smith loves Sergio Ramos and how much contact he brings to every <laughs> to every <laughs> challenge. Perfect example. Uh. They play physical, but as people throw it all the time, soccer is a contact sport. And so just because there's contact doesn't mean we want to get rid of all contact. So back to the question at hand. Yeah. Um, if people are, are using elbows or pushes or trips to an unfair place, or in the case of Fellaini, my opinion, this is not the laws, but my opinion, um, going up for those kind of reckless challenges to intimidate people and to make them scared to come into a challenge, yeah. those are the kind of things we want to get out of the game. Um, I, I don't think players, fans, or even referees uh, like seeing a foul called and the player legitimately not having a clue, not being angry, not being upset, not thinking, you know, that was soft, 
but literally not having an idea of what they've done as a foul. I think nobody wants to see that, let alone the referee. So specifically to this type of play with you know the, the players who seemingly cannot jump up in the air without lifting their elbows, yeah. what would it look like for that kind of play, a difference between careless, reckless, and trifling? Uh, Swinging the elbow, I guess, would probably be careless. So the, the other criteria that we really look at is, are they using their elbows as a tool or a weapon? Mm. Uh, and this, this probably makes a lot more sense to people because you see a ton of challenges where hands come up onto other people's shoulders. Yeah, I was going to ask about like leveraging. Uh, right. Same idea. And they're using their arms or using their elbows as a tool to gain an unfair advantage. In that instance, if they're just using it as a tool, it, we probably don't need to worry about excessive force. Mm. Now you bring up the word swinging. Yeah. Obviously momentum. The brings, Fellini. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Obviously, momentum brings the elbows usually straight up, not behind them, not in front of them, not flying through the side like a Liu Kang kick or something like that. Like, that's when we get into weapon, right? This is yeah. not a Mortal Kombat this is not podcast. A Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah. But it should. So, something I never thought I'd hear you say. Yeah, but right. when Marilyn Fellaini's involved, people. Anything can happen. Yeah. I guess, I, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, the one thing I want to disagree with you about is the fact that... Polanyi's an idiot, and I think he should be red-carded every match. Uh, yes. That's, that's a fair opinion. Honestly, <laughs> if he went to, you know, somewhere in Italy or, you know, somewhere in Germany, I'd be fine with that. Uh, uh, look, anyway. he better not... Uh, I'm not going to be happy if he's coming to Arsenal. He is. Okay. <laughs> in our July edition of our transfer window pod, we may be <laughs> discussing that. Yeah. But I guess... People can jump without their elbows. People can jump without their arms. If you, if somebody isn't double amputee for arms, it's not like they suddenly lose the ability to jump. <laughs> exactly. So Fact. why can't we just say... Although your balance is worse. I, it's worse. In fact, I challenge you right now, Andrew the Ref, to do a broad jump here in my living room one using Dave, your arms Dave. out in the open, and then one just by yourself. This is not a video podcast, but for the first time, I wish it was. I'm I'm going to <laughs> respectfully decline, as as the setup said. I am a referee. I am not a player. Gotcha. I'll let you make okay. your own assumptions as to why I'm not sure. a player. Right. So you have followed the Premier League for years, years yeah. and uh, and you've obviously been playing fantasy Premier League with us now for some time. Uh, do you see this elbow issue as an issue in the league? Or is it something that I may be inflating for the purposes of creating drama for our podcast? I think if you are American, you see it as a huge issue. Hmm. If you are English, you see it as sporting football. Uh, or Dave. Dave sees it as sporting football, yeah, I was going to say. Da Dave is, sees it as sporting... We'll call you half British? This isn't, this isn't soggy toilet paper league. That's right. Right. AKA I mean, La Liga. Yeah, or Mesut Ozil's home. If you want to go right. play in the, the candy <laughs> league of... <laughs> Of, I better be careful of, of, of. Yeah, be careful. They could be a future sponsor. We have yeah. entire countries I'm that listen saying, to our podcast. Don't pick a people group either, please. <laughs> right? No, sure, sure. <laughs> Choose something neutral or imaginary. As I was stuttering, pull you away you from the cringing. microphone. Yeah, 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 choose yeah. a country <laughs> name, not a demographic sure. name. No. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just backing no, you away. Listen, La Hold Liga on. would love to have the Premier League money and the, the prestige, and they just don't. And they have, they have worse players. It's, it's on average. All right, I'm, I'm, go ahead. It, it, and it's the example. I think everyone would be able to acknowledge that we could potentially have an elbow. Let's take an elbow 
that in the Premier League doesn't even get called as a foul. Yeah. In the States here, gets called as a foul. And in places like Spain or Mexico, it's a yellow card and yeah. a very public talking to. <laughs> so That makes it hard when you get to European competition, too. It does. It does. Uh, you know, we've seen we've seen some issues even in the World Cup where one team wants to play extremely physical. Some Eastern European teams and South American teams come to mind. Uh, <laughs> was that funny. big enough? Look, hey, that, Scott, that's Scott, that's good. Scott, look, I know this is not a World Cup podcast. It's not. But we're going to mention it. Listen, the Eastern Bloc European countries, Croatia and Serbia. They are not messing around. They are not messing around at all. Or Russia. Compared to the Costa Ricans and the... uh, Let's just keep it with the Costa Ricans. (laughs) Panama played tough. Okay? Panama gave it a good go. The Costa Ricans were embarrassing. And... uh, You mean falling down. Falling down like soggy toilet paper. Yeah. Yeah. I will say soggy toilet paper as many times as I have to. Soggy <laughs> toilet paper. But I don't know. But that's interesting, though. But so, so I'll say this, Andrew. So then obviously in FIFA, you have uh, referees from usually different continents, right? right? Refereeing the game. So there, obviously there's no shown favoritism there. Right. Completely makes sense. But I feel like it almost brings so you got guys who year round play for their clubs and now are, are, are brought out of that and, and they train for a month and a half with their country going into a tournament having playing other guys from from other countries and then you have referees from completely different leagues refereeing the matches. It just seems like there's a bunch of different standards there. One which that stands out. It stands out so bad in this World Cup. I think it's gonna, it's gonna, it, it's on the verge of taking over as news. Is the flopping and simulation that yeah. FIFA must have told the refs not to call, and or other, these referees just aren't calling it because they don't call it in their leagues. I know the Premier League calls it because I see it every week, but the flopping has been. I've n- maybe I've just been used to watching the Premier League matches, right? Yeah. And so I'm not used to seeing it. It's been embarrassing. Yeah, the, in my the, opinion. The, the the big discrepancies, I think we would all agree and this is you know, wh- whoever's blame it is, whether it's individuals or collectively. We've seen a number of issues of simulation. We've seen a number of issues where people will will say are making a meal out of contact. And we've seen a huge amount of dissent. We've seen yeah. referees crowded. We've seen yep. six, seven players around the referee. Uh, In their faces. Right, exactly. And, Making and, contact. And, and ironically, you've seen referees basically guiding people, which I, I don't see referees touching players too much. But this World Cup, I've, I've been proud to say, like referees have basically politely said, you need to back up and helping people back up. So, But it's still an issue. Um and so I don't I don't know what the you know silver bullet is to that problem. Uh, I think VAR helps because naturally, as fans get an opportunity to see what are the objective decisions that are coming out of this, uh, I think it creates a better consistency as more countries start using it. Now, some countries who are very near and dear to this podcast who still will not use it will remain nameless. 
Um, England has voted against <laughs> VAR. Want to know why they don't have to use VAR? Because well, their referees times. don't need it. We can talk. We can we can talk about. We talk about the referees all the time. I know that. We I can talk that. about VAR in a few minutes, can't we? Should we just should we just well, skip what, ahead to it? Well, what I was gonna, well, no. What I was Go going to say is, I thought what Dave was asking is a perfect segue into if we want to stick to your agenda, Scott. Well, let's just go to VAR. <laughs> here's the reason why. No, here's the, here's the, the, the reason why. Already. I felt like what you were saying about flopping. Yeah. Applies a, a, if there is if there is some sort of FIFA initiated directive. Like we're not going to call. Don't call simulation. Right. It's a perfect segue into grabbing on set pieces because. Uh, Fox's Dr. Joe Machnick. Machnick? Uh, he has been not. referenced a lot in this comp. Uh, unfortunately. So, yeah. so the question is, so uh, he said uh, during the at some point during the broadcast so far that there was a FIFA directive to referees to crack down on physical play in the box, which is exactly what was next on our agenda. Yes. Grabbing on set pieces. Yes. So... so uh, so that I'm curious. Yeah. yeah. It, so let's okay. We'll we'll so go in the order. I think this is a Thank perfect. You, I think this is a perfect way for us to continue in order. I like it. So, I like your order. Yeah. But but let me set this back into a Premier League context as well, because Brian is right. This is an issue in the World Cup. It's it seems like it's always an issue. You have a play, typically corner kicks, maybe free kicks yeah. near you know in the final third as well, where you're. I mean, you have upwards of twenty plus. Well, 20 guys in the box. Yeah. All at one time, all are fighting for a, a loose ball. And, you know, you have uh, half of them are defending uh, and half of them are trying to get, you know, get to the ball and put it in the net. So obviously you're going to have contact. Like you said, it's a contact sport. You're going to exactly. have this. But at the same time, we have situations all the time where guys have one and sometimes two hands and arms around players to prevent them from getting to the ball. Yeah, yeah. That seems like an obvious situation from which you can call a foul and mm-hmm. or, you know, turn that into a penalty situation. Yeah. So, you know, we've talked about World Cup officiating and we've talked about the Premier League. And, and I think this is probably the issue where it lacks most. Um, and this is not even new news. You, you know, we talk about Dr. Joe Macknick. I hesitate to even call him a doctor. I, th- I know he's a doctor, but it just seems... A doctor of what? I don't even remember. It doesn't Nothing, matter. The only Anyways, thing... Doctor of music. Mis- Mr. It. Joe. The only thing it. that makes me want to go to Telemundo more than Dr. Joe is Alexi Lawless. Luckily, I don't have to hear much of Alexi Lawless. I Tony thought, Miola? I was going to say, I thought it was oh. Tony Miola. Well, you know, there's, there, there's a few names. There's a list. There's here. a list. <laughs> Anyways. So Fox, Fox punted on we, this World Cup. We, we talked about this a couple years ago. You guys talked about this because even in the Premier League, every year they come out with their list where PMGOL says, here are the things we're really going to focus on. And last year, what was it? It was grappling in the penalty area. And we saw the same thing at the beginning of the Premier League where the f- just like the World Cup, the first corner kick or the first free kick the referee gives a little tweet, 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 walks up and says, hey, you, I'm watching you, you guys, I'm watching you. He does the eye point He does thing. the eye the point. The fingers to the eyes. I like, I like co- also the, the, yeah, yeah, the, the no. The Separates his fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you won't. No, sir, no, ma'am. Everyone it, can picture what it's, you're It's what you're almost doing. like you're scolding a couple dogs. Like, you stop tearing up the newspaper. Yeah, and then two guys tackle Harry Kane. And nothing happens. No, no call. And then Grab suddenly... yanking the cane. And then suddenly, Mike <laughs> Dean in the Premier League, or in the World Cup instance, like a couple uh, match days, and then suddenly Kunik Shakir comes on and calls a penalty, 
and Mascherano loses his mind for what is absolutely a penalty. Yeah, but Miola says, and he's absolutely right, Mascherano's probably done it a thousand times in his career and never gotten called before. And yet somehow the one that actually gets called right is the one that's wrong. And ask, ask where he has played most of his career. Where has he played well, most he of played his career? He played for Liverpool for quite a while. Yeah, well, that's oh, yeah. Real Madrid. I think he forgot he was in. But that's England. okay. <laughs> yeah, but no, no, no. He he's been in Barcelona for at least for longer. Seven he's been or eight there longer. Years. Yeah, he's been there longer. But we we saw the same thing in the Premier League where they said we're going to crack down on this, and no one did it except Only Mike Dean, Dean yes! who called a penalty every week for a month. <laughs> yes, he no like three. I mean, it was there amazing. was one. There was three. That's true. <laughs> I mean, it was constant. And yet he was getting vilified for it. For doing what Pigmall said they were going to do. That's what drives me crazy. Right. Here's the thing. I can't remember the exact percentage. I think it's 8%. I know it's definitely single digits. But I think that's the that's the success rate, the, the score rate on corner kicks. Yeah, it was 8 Premier League. yeah. You and I have something in common, and that's that we're also fans of the National Hockey League. This is not a hockey States. podcast. It is though. not. I'm glad you said I that. I feel special for you, being able to say you're that. You're part of the pod now. Yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> However, you know, in our lifetimes, in our adulthoods, we've seen scoring rise pretty drastically because yeah. of some rule changes that the NHL has made to, yeah. to allow for that. In my opinion, the Premier League could make the action even more exciting than it already is if you eliminate. And, and crack down, like actually crack down on this type of physical play on set pieces, specifically on corner kicks. Corner kicks, like it's funny when a, when the ball goes out for a corner kick. Home fans, if they're the ones getting the corner, they everyone cheer. stands up. They, they get excited, cheer, right? They're so stoked for something that has a lesser success rate than a seventy-five yard field goal in the NFL. Yeah, that's stupid. Honestly, when the ball goes out for a corner, everybody should sit down yep. and quiet down. In reality, it's, like, it's false cool. hope. Here it's we go again. Way to be pessimistic, Scott. But the stats. You want to hope and wish the ball in the net. But the stats say it is not going to happen nine plus times out of ten. Yeah, Mr. Emotion, get your emotions in check. Hey, listen. <laughs> but you know what? If we crack down on physical play and actually made it. So that you ha- you had to play defense and not go ahead and hug dudes in it, order to defend a, a set piece. More flying headers into the back of the net, yep. and or, or more penalties. Yeah. I might actually own Glenn Murray then. That's not a bad Glenn idea. Murray you might triple captain. Him, already poo pooed on you last year. <laughs> you might even own Johnny Evans. <laughs> Probably not, but oh. maybe John Stone. No, not even John Stone. <laughs> not even John no, Stone. No, no, no. But. The Ottomendi? point remains, like, it could be cleaned up. It's an yeah. obvious issue. They try. Uh, well, they gave it lip service last year. Right. Nothing happened, and, and so here we are in the same place. It's it's a problem. I mean, you, okay, maybe it's a good thing, Dave. Maybe it's physical play. It's the good old-fashioned British way. But in my opinion, it's something that, honestly, it's, it's holding, holding I, back the, yeah. the league. I think where I draw the line is, um, Brian, what game was it? Where there was oh yeah there was uh, a guy in a red jersey in a red okay. kit and the the, the team was Lane, wearing a white kit. Can you put Switch some? Mode. Can you put some? Who wants to be a millionaire? Suspense music behind this? Yeah, while we yeah, absolutely. So and it was it was a manwich. It was a a white really jersey right on the <laughs> other side. It was white jersey, red jersey, white jersey. You're thinking of Mitrovic. Mitrovic. Yes, it was Mitrovic. It was. It Mitrovic. was Serbia. Yes, I got so, it. Wait, we're back in the World Cup now. You it's insist not, you gotta, on making you gotta this keep up. <laughs> a World Cup podcast. 
Listen, there, there's here. so many refereeing. We have Andrew the ref here. There are so many refereeing things pertinent to refing that are going on in well, the World Cup. But, big, but, the, but, the, but the, if you want to give this a name, uh, I forgot to mention like this whole grabbing on set pieces thing. I want to give this a name too, just to help people understand what kind of play we're talking about. So I, for our pod purposes, I'm calling this the Shaw Cross. <laughs> Good one. Okay. I think, I think shattering someone's tibia is already called the Shaw Cross. <laughs> That's correct. Uh, Fibula? Tibia. Tibia. Um, no, I, I, maybe we're scouting the, this. For the, the, the World Cup discussion purposes, the two big ones have been referenced. Kane and, Kane and now Mitrovic. Those yeah. are the two where it like, was what seems to be a clear and obvious mugging of, of the forward six inches in front of the goal line. Uh, Scott, you're right. I am for the physical play. Uh, but there has been beyond physical play in this WC, dare I say, World Cup anymore. Um, Wish you would. But I guess that's why it's so, it's so fresh, right? It's so it's right there because I'm watching all these games every day. And I'm, sure. And it's making a mockery at times of the sport in front of a lot of Americans watching it. And that's another thing that bothers me a lot. I mean, Andrew, as a referee, when you see these types of plays, in my opinion, there are two obvious situations in which you could call a foul. But but you tell me if I'm wrong, having actually been on the pitch to, to deal with this. Yeah, episode. okay. <laughs> when a, a kit, a shirt is pulled away from the player's body because it's been tugged so hard, and also when you have two arms or hands on a player as a defender. Those are two situations where if I see that as a referee, and I've never been a referee, but I would want to call that a foul every single time. Can that be done? So let me ask you a question. If you stand up and I pull your shirt. I'd say, hey, weirdo, stop pulling my shirt. (laughs) We're good enough friends. Whatever. (laughs) Okay, maybe. Could I pull your shirt light enough to pull you in a certain direction but not have you move your feet because I've thrown you off balance? Could you keep your feet in the same place? Not if it's as tight as the Arsenal kit. Well, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Fair point. <laughs> but my point being, that, so the hardest thing with, with and I, I don't want to sound like I'm defending. <laughs> I threw you off. I threw you off on that you one. Did. You were not I, expecting that. I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm defending those two situations because those have been the two situations I've been most critical of and, and sound like failures of either the VAR to impose or the referee to listen. But either way, in those situations, whether it's a push or a pull, you don't know how much force is being applied. So, so let me ask you a question. Yeah. Think of any push that you've seen in a Premier League match. How many pounds of pressure did that player push the opponent with? You have no clue. No idea. No, I'm not a math major. So, it, well, you're, you're not Doogie Hauser. Yeah, you don't <laughs> even know the muscle mass of anyone. I do love <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris, though. He's he's a handsome dude. Can I say that? Yes. Given yeah. his okay, all right. Was he Doogie Hauser? Yes, he was. He Dave was. says it all the time about players that play for his team. Okay, so. he's a handsome yeah. dude, and yeah. he's funny. All right. Well, he's a uh, Arsenal. Listen, fan. If you're going to be an <laughs> Arsenal player, you, you better be good looking. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> I don't think Neil Patrick Harris is an Arsenal player, uh, and therefore he doesn't. But he could be on the on the could. baseline of he's handsome. So. He's oh yeah okay yeah. All, right, all right. And he does wear tight shirts, as we've already discussed, which would also fit a problem. The Handsome Tangent, brought to you by all the other guys on the podcast. (laughs) Neil Patrick Harris would sponsor this podcast, I bet you. Sponsored by Neil Patrick Harris. And he could get Heineken in. He could. Yeah, he could. He could. Uh, So, back to the original question. 
I would say I would drink Heineken every time we oh pod if gosh. they sponsored us. Just saying. Back to you. <laughs> uh, so nine times out of ten, yes, absolutely. Um, but in any situation, it's difficult to to understand how much force is being used. You're trying to leave some room for judgment call. Well, there always is. My uh, guess would be uh, getting a clear view of the double tug, the the two players right. grabbing each other. Right. Which one might be obvious from a certain angle. It might be the other guy with his arm around in a different place right. where you say, yeah. oh, didn't catch that. And he was actually clutching the other side. How, of the when I describe... Oh, sorry. How many times have you seen an attacker when they do the replay, his shirt gets tugged. Yeah. Oh, but on the other side, yeah. he's actually holding right. off the defender on yeah. the other side. Yeah. And when yeah. I describe the, those two types of plays, the shirt tug and the bear hug, <laughs> it rhymes. There you go. I don't mean when both players are doing it in my mind that's naturally that's that's you know equally egregious a no call in that situation yeah who's cheating more right yeah yeah, yeah. exactly i'm not going to give the uh, i'm not going to give the advantage to the offense for that but if it's if it's a situation where only like the defender is literally bear hugging yeah which we see on a good i dare say we see that happen on more set pieces than not then we see goals i would agree yeah that's a problem. I'm, I mean, I'm sorry, but that's a problem. I mean, if you want a perfect example, Russia the other day versus Uruguay, you have a defender who basically clotheslines Edison Cavani and somebody else in blue, thinking he's doing a good job, turns around, and Uruguay scored because of the <laughs> he, hole he created. He cleared out the wall and made it. It's hysterical. <laughs> Ryan, that's, that's one of the most bizarre plays I've ever that seen. Was it amazing. was hilarious. Uh, I mean, that, that, yeah. that's something out of... Uh, at first it just seemed like a great kick and then you see the replay and then it's like wow that's how that happened yeah, yeah. it's crazy i no. wish that man was still living to listen to this podcast but he's probably not <laughs> yeah good call. number three macabre okay number three on that on our list all right so kicks to the face now somehow we're gonna bring this back to the world cup i know we've had situations that have occurred in the world cup but let me keep it to the premier league to begin with early in the season last year we had a situation where there was a very public uh, kick to the face. The first major kick to the Mane. face. It was when Sadio Mane kicked Ederson. And it was a pretty oh, yeah. solid kick yeah. to the face. Immediate red card. Should be. Okay. However, the following week, Matt Ritchie did the same thing. And I forget. I think he, it was against Crystal Palace, but I could be wrong on no, that. No, it he, was against Alfred. It was against Swansea. Swansea. And Alfie, Alfie Mawson. Okay. So Matt Ritchie did the same thing. Wonderful memory. He's saying, Anything with Swansea, he remembers. Remember? Because it we happened. Happened. How do you remember that? I'm, I'm, it's I because pulled back over the microphone and, and mouth to Brian. How did you remember it's that? It's because it happened to a pod favorite, Alfie Mawson. Alfie, Alfie. No, Scott has to refer to him as. That's what I just Alfred. said. Alfred. Okay. Yeah. Not anymore. He's out. He's well, out of the league. For now. Until he gets signed by someone else. Anyway, every single. Kick to the face, and I, and I say that with confidence, even though I didn't go back and watch every single match. But every single time a kick to the face occurred after that, it was a yellow card at worst. So where, why was Mane's red? Was it because it was the first, and then everyone kind of modulated after that in, ter- in the refereeing circles, or is there something in the rules that you are aware of that you could speak to that says a kick to the face? There's 
There's trifling standards. There's reckless standards, etc. Is there is there a limerick that goes I along mean, with it? I'd be happy to make. Well, one. there's like I, a Doctor Seuss I, line about it, if if Mane rhymed with a curse word, I'd find a way to make what that. What Scott a won't say because it's obviously in there is how much does intent factor into? Oh, when shut you up! Mane? Shut up right yes. now. There are two words yes. that I hate on this podcast. One is in value. value and intent. Yeah. Intent is under, Andrew. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> you back me up on this. Intent doesn't matter. You're you're not wrong. Thank you. He's not right either. You're not right either. Shut up! That's not true. No way. I love gray areas. So so here's the thing. So number one, I'm to, sorry for shouting. To, by to the way. answer the question you kind of asked, yes, referees look at situations week in and week out, reevaluate. Should have this been a, a call? Should this not have been a call? For uh, I mean, for the MLS, well, technically not MLS, but. For the uh, highest level of professional referees in the States, they literally, at least once a month, have a little retreat and they all sit around and critique each other. In once a, gr- a month? At least once a month. Really? Right? It's crazy. Which is maybe why we see more consistency in the MLS than EPL. Is it but, the MLS ooh. or just MLS? I, I, as soon as I said that, I thought, dang it. <laughs> Sorry. Listen, you're in the same company so, with Sky Sports. You're fine. They say the MLS all the time. Uh, I don't know if I want to be considered in the same no. league as Sky Sports. At least I'm above the sun. That's good. Oh well, yeah. You're ne- never mind. Yeah. Don't okay. Get me started. So uh, sh- shorthand, um, you asked about different resources. Uh, there's an additional resource that referees use, um, produced by FIFA, and it's called FIFA Considerations for Match Analysis. And basically, what it is is it goes through every single possible situation. Handling, red card, offside, whatever have you. And it asks a million questions for each situation. So for like a red card, it asks, uh, is excessive force used in the challenge? We already talked about that phrase. Does the player endanger the safety of the opponents? Is a super important phrase. And I can't imagine that anybody kicking someone else to the face doesn't endanger their safety. It's got to endanger their eyes. Uh, concussion issues, obviously, we know more about that than we ever have. Faces bleed. Heads bleed. Faces bleed really easily. It's the worst yeah. thing about being yeah. a human. It's crazy. By the way, I admire your ability to pod through Dave refreshing everyone's drinks. Just He's so. not refreshing mine, and I'm honestly quite <laughs> upset about that right now. I'm a little bit parched. Hey, you're, 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 you're a pro, though, so you know, keep right, up the good work. Exactly. All right. So... I, I don't know why a lot of those situations were regarded as yellow cards. I don't want to punt on the idea that it's a cultural issue of the Premier League and, oh, the lad can play through it, play on. That's not a foul. Like, But there there is some sort of issue when we say this player's safety has not been endangered by studs to the cheekbone. Uh, we, we saw one even the other day in the World Cup where foot comes up, um, it's, I don't want to say grazes, but gets basically the neck of an opponent who's standing almost straight up and gets a yellow. Mm. Um, that's great that he was sanctioned, but in that situation, not enough. Absolutely not enough. Because he kicked him in the neck. Endangered his life. Right. Yeah. You crush someone's windpipe, and it doesn't matter if you crack their skull. That's under the definition of careless. But they got Reckless. the ball back into play quick enough. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> right. I'm sorry, family of the deceased. We're going to have to play on in this situation. Nice. I mean, I will say, even as a Liverpool fan, I, I, I'd like to think that I have some ability to be objective. Mane's kick on Ederson's face was 
was pretty violent. It was terrible. It was a violent kick. Um, now, I don't think Mane's intent was to kick Ederson violently in the face. Um, I'm sure not. And that's where I go to where intent doesn't really matter. It's it's what physically happened. Yeah. We're back to Ryan Shawcross shattering tibias. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Like, if, you, if we based all of it on intent, then the player could just stand up and say, oh, I didn't mean to. And literally by saying, I don't mean to, that means I don't have intent to do this, and therefore I shouldn't be penalized. And, and Mike Dean sits there and says, right, Mike, off you go. Like, <laughs> and I admire Mike Dean for doing so. He would never do that. I don't care you shattered a man's leg. You need to be sent off. Look, exactly. All, all we need is an algorithm that's intelligent enough to determine a human being's intent. We're almost there. That's true. Then, then the robots will be refereeing anyway. I was going to say, then we don't need to worry about refereeing. Oh, issues. refereeing is the start of Skynet. Yes. <laughs> Your job will be obsolete by the time you get to the elite levels, Andrew. Uh, You'll be replaced by a robot just in time. Offside robot. <laughs> Eye off. Oh. Eye offside. We need offside robots. Anyway, I digress. VAR. It's number four on our. All team. right. I have the f- most important question about this. All right. The obvious most important question. Why do, you- do they wear the kits? Andrew, in the review room? No, no, that <laughs> yes, is a, that is a, that is a good question. Excellent question. No clue. Next question. Do you say VAR or do you say VAR? Is oh, and is this the GIF versus JIF <laughs> debate of of international? If football? it wasn't unequivocally GIF, I would agree with you. And <laughs> okay. I see VAR. Okay, okay, because I've heard so many. I feel like. Fox this announcers. is not a World Cup podcast. But the Fox but announcers are saying VAR. VAR. Yeah, people they are. are saying VAR. Yeah, frequently. Yeah. And Fox broadcasters are also people, you know, furthering the "he got ball" oh. syndrome. Okay. okay. Oh my gosh! Every match, it's did he touch the ball first? Well, he got the ball first before he got him in the hip. So that's. That's that's not a penalty for me. Thanks, Tony Miola. For me, also for me, for me. is yeah. my f- is my least favorite two word phrase. Tony Miola. Every time after they get done with VAR and they've seen someone getting hit in the face, and Tony Miola goes, "No, nah, not a pen- not a penalty for me." Nah, for uh. me. I always think that Tony Miola. When I'm hearing him, I always think that it's Dan Fouts. This is not an NFL football <laughs> podcast. He, he um, sounds sleepy, honestly. As the he probably is. They've the been post leg for a while now. Post leg scissoring uh, motion occurred after he had clipped the ball, so it's not a penalty for me. Right, yes. that's the worst. Yeah. That now that we've cleared that up, <laughs> we can move on to the secondary importance uh, of this. Yeah, is, does VAR work in general? <laughs> hey. <laughs> Can I add a couple other things, and you can just comment generally on these things? I feel like this is a good. This is this is, like speed dating question? Well, no, for it's VAR just now? that this is like this is like the obvious, like the moment, the moment debate. So I just feel like there's so much about this. So, uh, uh, for example, Alan Shearer has propelled himself into the news recently because he called VAR a farce. He said it's the closest that he's been to swearing on the air because of because of VAR related decisions. I'm surprised he hasn't already. James Milner said that it's an absolute shambles and hashtagged beautiful game spoilt. Spoilt? Yes, S P O I L T. I love James Milner. That's that's uh, true English right there. Is that like Greg Olson uh, killed it? What was his quote there? There's not Greg Olson. Who was it? The tight end from the Panthers? Yeah, from the Panthers. 
He yeah. kilted? Kilted. That is, well, I'm sure somebody pronounces it that way. But like, I'm just thinking of, I'm looking at like, uh, like a guy from The Ringer, Kevin Clark. He said today, he said, the World Cup is satisfying my thirst for the NFL by giving me tons of unnecessary replay reviews, inconsistent rule decisions, mind-boggling underperformance, and bad coaching. Thank it, you, World Cup. It is so true. What I'm saying is... It is terrible coaching, you're right. So, but, I mean, like for something well, that's an obvious, I mean, this is like, it seems like this is a big deal. It's the, it's the involvement of such an important and what I think most of the time seems like it's helping, but then still there's the human ah. error. And everyone, everyone is acknowledging that. Like no matter what, in the end, it's still a human being that has to make what eventually sometimes comes down right. to a human being's decision. Right. So... So I think the two things that are being missed by a lot of people with VAR is that the the crutch of all officiating decisions, or at least the overwhelming majority in, in soccer, is in the opinion of the referee. Okay. So you have, we'll take the Nigeria-Argentina match, for example. Uh, you have Shakir in the middle. In the opinion of Shakir, is this a foul? Is this a penalty? Et cetera. And then you have, I think, Sandro... Shakir's a referee, right? Right, he's okay. the referee. All right. And I think Sandro Ricci is, is the VAR on that match. Sounds right. And so you have Sandro Ricci, who, in his opinion, is it a clear and obvious error not to give this penalty mm. or that handling? And he says, yes, it is. He sends it down. Shakir, you should review this. Shakir reviews it. And in his opinion... It is not a clear and obvious error. It should not be a penalty and upholds his decision or what have mm. you. So the the unfortunate thing that with VAR is that it institutes more opinions. So while we are trying to be more objective and more conclusive, it still introduces more opinions. The other thing that people are forgetting is that the point of VAR is not to have three out of four of us look at a, something and say, I think that's a penalty, and then Tiona... Tony Miola still says, I don't think it's a penalty. And David Smith, David Smith agrees with him. Yeah. So 60% of us think penalty. Yeah. But if it's Therefore not a penalty, it's the democracy, right? But, but yeah. it's not a clear and obvious error. I hate that phrase. We, I hate that phrase. We are looking at it like, well, 55% of us think it's a penalty, so it should be a penalty. But VAR more accurately is. Would ninety nine people ninety nine percent of people agree this is a penalty and this guy must have blinked at the exact wrong moment because he missed it? The Harry Kane tackle, yeah, the Serbia and Switzerland issues, which somehow they missed. Yeah, why didn't VAR get involved in those? So allegedly there was a review recommended, and the review and the referee did not agree to review it. Introducing on even more controversy because it was a German referee. That is a crazy story. Crazy why, story. Why? Why is that more? Well, just because it, Well, because the Serbians were they were furious that it was a German ref who they felt like would have a, a nationalist, uh, some sort of. Uh, oh, uh, oh, yes. Okay, that okay. He, that he would have had a, yes. That he would have had a reason to be a bit more uh, favorable in his decision making for Switzerland. I mean. You mentioned a lot of times these referees are from different continents, but we've got something like nine referees in every match. It's not possible probably to pick a different continent right. in every match. And, and FIFA generally tries to uh, uphold what they say, confederation neutrality. So if there's a, a Conmebol versus UEFA team, they'll try and get 
uh, CONCACAF referees or AFC referees on there. But Quick aside, though. If a referee is from Uzbekistan, does that mean he is, his professional job is to referee in the Uzbekistani league? Uh, it depends on the country. Uzbekistan specifically, I'm not sure. But there are some there are some referees at the World Cup right now that have a day job. Oh, not up on your to. Uzbekistani refereeing <laughs> protocol. I just wonder, like, I, obviously, you finally they, got him, Scott. Yeah, you finally good, got him. Good work. Dang it! <laughs> you found a country where he doesn't know the referees. I only ask that. Well, because first of all, it's Irmatov. Second off, I couldn't care <laughs> less about Irmatov. But I guess it's just interesting because on Twitter I promoted two other soccer World Cup podcasts. Specifically, their World Cup podcast before the World Cup began. One of them was called "We Came to Win," <coughs> and they did a they did an episode on an Ecuadorian referee. His full time job was to referee in Ecuador, yeah, the Ecuadorian league. Yeah. Now, obviously, he was somehow good enough, met FIFA standards to, to also be a FIFA level referee, right? And referee in World Cup matches. But when you're primarily refereeing in the subpar. Sorry, Ecuador, but in the subpar Ecuadorian league, how are you prepared? Yeah, for big time matches. It's fair. I mean, we talk like we talk about refereeing problems in American sports league all the time because it seems as if the players have advanced beyond the advancement of the referees' skills, and that sometimes referees struggle in some of these leagues. I'm looking at the NBA. I'm looking at the NFL specifically. Yeah. Um, because the players have gotten so good, but the referees haven't gotten so good with them. And it's an issue. It, to me, that's what it seems like. Every time I hear that a, a you know, no offense, but a Kenyan referee is a, is officiating right. a World Cup match, yeah. I get scared when the match is between Germany and France. Yeah, it's like, whoa, hold up. Well, and and we've seen some some confederations are better at it than others. A, a an American referee has never done a World Cup final. A an an Asian <sighs> confederation. Mark Geiger could though. He could. He could. He's, and I he's feel bad that he's been relegated to VAR status since the whole Jersey Gate situation. So I, I wouldn't look too much into that. First off, uh, as an aside, um, I I would not be shocked if he's on the final. And even if he's on the final as a VAR, that's still he, it's a big deal. He was chosen as the first VAR to do yeah. a final. That's still incredible. We're in the weeds. I'm sorry, uh, but you you've never seen an Oceania FIFA referee do a final. Well, or there's a, only three countries in Oceania. Well, oh, Australia used to be in it. <laughs> I know. I know. It. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. You're right. There's You're like, absolutely right. New Zealand referee. Right. Exactly. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, so yeah. so there's an obviousness to that. Um, but they are closing the gap as much as possible with um, with referees who have represented less, like CONCACAF, like Asia, like AFC. I do not watch much FA Cup because, in my mind, those are breaks from the Premier League. And Fair. with us being a Premier League podcast, I need those breaks. Just full disclosure. As a League One fan, I would disagree, but whatever. <laughs> okay, that's true. You're, you're, you love Plymouth Argyle. I have the Argyle polo on today. You're wearing it. You're rocking it now. Now, with that said, though, like VAR is a part of the FA Cup. I didn't. I actually was defending VAR to these blokes during FA Cup weekends. Good English terminology insert there. Thank Good. you. Yeah. But now that I've been exposed to it on a much larger scale for the World Cup, I too am becoming disinterested and less trust trustworthy. I see it as less trustworthy. Yeah. Than I did prior to the World Cup. Because of the missed calls, the the, the seemingly <clears throat> clear and obvious calls that are not reviewed, uh, you know, 
where do you stand on VAR? As and we're recording this on uh, the twenty sixth of June, halfway through the third round of group stage matches. Where do you stand yeah. on VAR? I, I think it's only going to help. Um, I, really? I think why? I think a lot of the criticisms, number one, are either unfounded or worthless criticisms. So the the two biggest criticisms I've heard is number one, it's not going to be as dramatic. I'm sorry, I don't want Diego Maradona winning a World Cup on an obvious handling. Yeah. I, I don't want that. I but don't would they have actually reviewed that? Oh, hands down. Absolutely. But they it, didn't review Harry Kane getting tackled. So, I'll get I'll get to that in a second. All right. The the other criticism is that it takes too long. Uh, we saw it, there was a VAR review. American fans don't aren't worried about that. Right, they're not worried we, about we it. We deal with well, that in every sports say, because I, that's another. That was another comment that I'd seen uh, during the week that uh, this World Cup American fans were more prepared than almost any other international yeah. fans because we're so used to long delays in in well, professional football. Because we're used to an NFL game reviews, where right. they go to the booth and then for, there's a commercial. They commercial break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's exactly. still under the Fox hood. Could actually remember when they used to do commercial breaks during soccer matches back when terrible. they first started to broadcast them the after worst. the 94 World Cup like I feel like Fox could do that during VAR breaks don't tempt them can we erase <laughs> that from the pod uh, Alexi Lawless will get a hold of this and he'll say what a great idea I, no promoting honestly as much as I dislike that man if he got a hold of this pod yeah okay that's I that's might fair. actually kiss that's him on fair. the cheek all right anyway this is not an Alexi Lawless podcast no so the delays, but as we've seen, I mean, the, the VAR review today in Argentina and Nigeria took, I think, 45 seconds. Yeah. I think 45, maybe that long. I loved it. He went under the hood, and he was, it was like he was there for like three, like 10 seconds. Right. Turned around. And Shook yeah. his head, looked at it again, went, yeah. are you sure? And then came Shook right, his head. And then right. ran out and was like, yeah. you know, I got this. And, and so the, the last <clears throat> thing I'll say is that you have a lot of referees who have either never used VAR on either side before this tournament or who, are, who have extremely limited access to it. You're talking about the, the only domestic leagues that are, are majorly using it would be the U.S., Italy, and the Netherlands. That's about it. It's come up a little bit in the FA Cup, and as we all would agree, it was an unmitigated disaster. Absolutely a disaster. Why was it a disaster in the FA Cup and it's not in this World Cup? I don't know if it's better training. I don't know if it's the the prevalence. They have heavily used Italian, American, and Dutch referees huh. in the VAR booth. That's and good. it's one of the reasons why I, I say to you, I wouldn't look too much into it, into Geiger being in the VAR booth because he's been relied upon heavily. Jair Marufo has been yeah. relied upon heavily. And there are people who thought he wouldn't even get a whistle at the World Cup, and they were just Ricci, using I think, is Italian too, right? Ricci, yeah. also been used on the field and been on a ton of VAR crews. So as people get used to it more, again, with the Harry Kane situations, I don't know if it's a situation where the VAR was hesitant to say, no, you really need to look at this, or the referee was too prideful to say, no, I got it, that's fine. Whatever the case is, as we see more use with it, those Obvious issues will get ironed out. Last question about VAR. In America, our sports leagues do one of two things. They either give, well, most of them give like challenge capability to teams. 
and therefore to use replay to use uh, you know the equivalent to VAR in in-game situations the the teams can actually ask for that they've got a certain number of times that they yeah. can do that this is not a situation where that's possible but could do you see an american sports league type of replay working better for soccer than what we're currently seeing with VAR uh I would agree under the condition that the the timing system of soccer would need to change. The IFAB, which is the the authority on the laws of the game, they're the people who update the laws every year, they agree upon them, they nominate new changes, etc. They've talked about changing a running clock to a stop the clock when the ball's out of play method, which immediately gets rid of time wasting. Yes, but immediately, and it gives as much time as we want to review calls. Yeah, but effectively ruins the flow of the game. It does, but also I'm pretty sure that somewhere I heard that that where that's been done, it actually has wrecked the physical capacity of players. Players to play hated it because, because they, they played play so much longer. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and they and they've even shortened it to like 35 minutes of live play or 30 minutes of live play, and it ruined them. But the drama of stoppage time. Like is gone there too. I mean, obviously right. the the ticking down to zero is dramatic, but I like the stoppage time thing. And as a fan, I like to know that I have exactly two hours to watch a match. Exactly. I I, I don't want to give that up. Exactly. Okay, we're on the same page there. All right. Uh, the fifth thing on the agenda, and by the way, I've got two bonus round questions ah, that came up man. since I was sneak attack since we've been talking. But the last thing on our agenda uh, that I want to ask you about, and this goes back again to you and I being hockey fans. I knew that was the correlation. Yeah, here. absolutely, absolutely. So, in our lifetimes, the NHL has gone from having one referee on the ice to two, in an effort to be able to spot more, yeah, uh, you know, fi- you know, penalties, more issues, and be able to make you know better refereeing decisions. Would soccer? Th- the issue is not space. There no. is room on the pitch for a second official. Instead of having that fourth official on the sideline, or you know, when it comes to UEFA and having that. Fifth and sixth official on the additional extra assistant referee. Ma- it doesn't even make any sense. Would soccer be better if they just went ahead and had a second referee on the pitch? There, uh, there are a lot of uh, European fans actually who have suggested this because uh, for sports like also uh, field hockey, not field hockey, indoor hockey. I forget exactly how they call it in, in Europe, but who have suggested this, and I, I don't see any detriment to the game. Um, you know, in the opinion of the referee, the referee making the final decision, all those cries, it works in the NHL. It works at the international level because international games, even for hockey, use two referees. For hockey, they use two referees. Like, there's so many international sports that do officiating via committee. I don't see a reason why not. One thing we see in the Premier League a lot is referees conferring with the linesmen on calls. Like, we've seen yeah. it several times. Last year, we saw it a lot. I just feel like I would have more trust. I don't know why, but there'd be something more trustworthy about having a second official on the pitch and the two of them conferring and then deciding what the right call should be. I might yeah. actually even like that more than VAR. Yeah, I, th- I think... Uh, I, don't, I don't know that it's better or worse than VAR. Uh, I think communication from the whole crew is important. As a predominant assistant referee, I know that... I mean, you have to watch the offside line. You have to make sure the ball is still in play. And you have to pay attention to any potential fouls 
around you and, and near you. So oh, yeah, we always love it when a linesman runs out on the pitch and waves his flag violently right. to report yeah. a foul. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I get why someone might be hesitant to say, oh, well, are they really paying attention? Or, you know, I'll say these terrible things so you don't have to. Like, does, did he really see it? Or was he paying attention to the offside? Or was he paying attention to the ball almost out of play? So I get that. I don't think there's a detriment. Uh, I don't think if that is instituted that you'll see any less communication in the crew, but it, it's one more set of eyes. It couldn't hurt. I, I know this when I was coming up, when I was a wee lad. <laughs> there was plenty of uh, games growing up where <clears throat> we had we didn't have linesmen. All we had was two referees on yeah. the field. Yeah, we still use that system in some places. Does that have a name? I mean, I'm, it's it's a it's a it's dual a, referee okay. system. Right. Yeah. Uh, so the common you know two assistant referees and a referee system is called the diagonal system because the referee runs on a diagonal and he avoids the assistant referee areas. Um, huh. avoid is probably a terrible term to use there, but you get my drift. Yeah, and dual referees, especially for lower-level matches, works because they can act as a pseudo-assistant referee, and the other referee can pay attention to everything else. So, yeah, it's, it's not a terrible system, but at high-level matches, I would never want to do simply a dual system. You would need assistant sure. referees as yeah, well. Yeah, well, you need, you need yeah. linesmen. Yeah, I agree. Can Scott, I ask a broad question about this? Of course. Maybe this will only take two seconds, and I'm sure it touches a little bit on what we're saying. Should I time you? Well, I just, I guess my my question would be, is it? I get, I get the cry out for accuracy, but is there enough? Is there enough of a of a feeling of we don't get this right enough that we need to find a way to correct what's in place as it exists right now? You know what I'm saying? So. Like, is this just a matter of, like, innovation and taking advantage of existing technology? Or is this, like, a we are 89% accurate on all of our on-the-field calls? We would like to get that up to 96% by 2025. So, you know what I'm saying? It's definitely not just a convenient use of resources because there's not a single country in the world that has too many referees. Okay. And they don't know what to do with them. Um, there have been a dozen articles in various publications this year that I've already seen that are saying it is a crisis among youth sports, a shortage of referees, everything from baseball to football to soccer. Um, Refereeing in the United States or anywhere else, or as it's usually known as, getting yelled at by adults. Yes, <laughs> uh, which is the prime reason people are quitting, quite frankly. So, yeah, I don't think it's just a, well referees are sitting around doing nothing so let's use them um i i think it is it could be a helpful usage of referees i think it could be a helpful um addition um i think only time will tell really if it's necessary um uh, but I, I i couldn't see how it would hurt all right bonus round questions for you andrew thing i, I thought of two things while we've been discussing these these situations <laughs> And I've enjoyed this conversation. I hope people have uh, as well, because we're actually getting a referee's perspective on this, as opposed to just our, you know, crazy what we see on TV perspective. And they know if they have Fellaini and Mike Dean's refereeing, the Fellaini put him on the bench. <laughs> and the shot cross. I mean, come on, these are Keep and, on and the, the Mane and you know the the Geiger and like we could give a name to all this stuff. Anyway, we hear a lot in the Premier League about the referee reports post-match. Yeah. 
you know, there, there are egregious things that sometimes occur if a referee misses it. It all comes down to whether or not it shows up in his post-match report. If he didn't see it and it's not reported yeah. by the referee after the match, then this dubious committee can take a look at it and make a retroactive decision on whether or not a player should be suspended. Yeah. Do you fill out reports in your matches and tell us about how that process works, what, what those reports look like? Yeah, yeah. Uh, most every match that is not like a, a high school match. Um, so varsity matches, yeah, but like JV, middle school, like the, the little kids, I don't fill matchup reports out for that. Sure. Um, unless like a parent assaults somebody or, you know, crazy. <laughs> That's stuff. called a police report, <laughs> Andrew. Right, yes. <laughs> so I'm filling out a report of some kind. So yeah, nine times out of ten, yes, I fill out a match report. Most of it is pretty simple if you have a match that's just a couple goals, a couple cards, you know, whatever. Really? It, I always imagine it to be like this long essay. It's not like an encyclopedia. In the third minute, there was this moment where, like, I imagine every referee has to be a great writer. Oh, absolutely. C- clinical. Absolutely clinical really? writer. Okay, so, right. uh, and it goes back to some of the language that we were using before. So, for example, I... I trifling. Trifling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to put trifling in all my Slack chats from now on. If if Brian hadn't used the phrase yanking the cane, trifling would be in the title I was going to say, you should just create a trifling <laughs> channel in Slack.com, the internet I'm just going to hashtag trifling all the time. When any of you insult me, I'm going to think, ah, it's trifling. Whatever. I'll, I'll ignore it. So when it becomes careless and excessive. So yeah, or excessive force. Yeah. That was a reckless comment, Scott. <laughs> uh, I'll take the yellow card for you, that. You, you were not in concern of my safety in that moment. <laughs> Back to the report. So, uh, for example, I was doing a youth match where um, two players got tangled up challenging for the ball, and in the process of challenging for the ball, the defender attempted to elbow the other player. Thankfully, it was unsuccessful. He missed the guy, but he intended... I know you love that word. He intended to strike the opponent deliberately with his elbow, using it as a weapon. I, I don't mind intent the way you're discussing This it. is the weeby conundrum. No, right. no, 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 no. The well, outcome did not match intent. And, and that's why I say you're not wrong, but you're not right. There are situations if where... If I swing an elbow at a guy and I miss... Like, I can read into that intent. What if, exactly. what if he's across the pitch? <laughs> my intent is to murder you Come with my elbow. Man, I'm, I'm so short-sighted. It's like 80 feet away. But I missed my 80 feet. <laughs> my, my depth intent. perception is so bad. <laughs> can we all agree that Shawcross did not mean to break Ramsey's leg? I hope so. I can't imagine. Yeah, that's like a psychopath. Beat. We he, hope so. The he, fact that you don't know means intent has nothing to do with that play. But if I swing an elbow or I kick out or I, you know, like Ronaldo the other day, like when he elbowed the guy in the face unnecessarily and only got a yellow card for that. Like those types of plays are obvious. Like you could say his, his intent was to lash out at another Right. He attempted person. to whatever. Scott. Thank you for referencing the World Cup in this podcast. Yeah, shut up, baby. Uh, <laughs> and then secondly... Hey, I asked Andrew this question. Secondly, Ronaldo was trying to do a, a, a defensive lineman, this is not an NFL podcast, swim move past the defender. A swim, actually, <laughs> a swim move? I, I'm not sure he actually elbowed him in the face. Uh, David Smith is using my words against me right now because that is almost word for word what I said in the Slack channel. A swim move. 
a you, swim but, move. But you know exactly the move that he's referencing okay, but, right but, okay, now. Okay, let's let's say let's say he intended a swim move. Okay, this is stupid that I'm saying these words, but let's say that he intended so a swim happy move, right now. And what actually happened was he elbowed him in the face. Is he using his elbow as a tool or a weapon? Does it matter? Because the outcome was he elbowed a player in the face. It depends on what the intent is. No. In this situation, no, I would say... If he hammers a player in the face with his elbow, I don't care if he means it as a tool. Is it a it weapon or a tool, It actually became Scott? a weapon. Is it a weapon or a tool? It's he elbowed a guy in the face. That's a weapon. So, but Even if he means it to be a tool. Here's, here's the thing, though. Did he swing his elbow towards the guy's face? Yes. Or, or did he happen yes, to he hit him in the face? That's or did true. he happen to hit him in the process Does of getting matter? Past him? He elbowed true. him in the face. If you hit me in the face with a hammer or a machete, I don't care if it's a tool <laughs> or a weapon. It is going to hurt my face. That's exactly right. But my point is these are the criteria that we think through. If Why you, can't it just be based on outcome? So let me ask you, is every Fellaini header a red card? Honestly, just about <laughs> yes. In my opinion, and I'm not being dumb. I honestly like he elbows guys all the time. But you know that there are some where his elbow just gets up. No, no, it does not. You oh. now have to jump with your elbows. I'm so sorry he that doesn't. I'm shouting right now. He does. You don't have to jump with your elbows. He's using it as a tool to give space, but he's not trying to I break know. the guy's nose. I don't care if he actually breaks the guy's nose. It's a red card. If he actually breaks his nose i'll say he's using excessive force yes red scott, card no problem scott scott oh, i'm losing scott, my mind scott here's the difference you're so red you look if, sunburned if, right if now. you and i are having a discussion it's getting a little heated and i kind of put my forearm on your chest to give myself some space that's not me striking you that's just me giving myself some space but in our heated argument, but, but do you hit I, me in the process? No, no. I'm extending my arm. But do you hit me to give myself See, some space? To me, it's all about outcome. Well, in that process, though, the difference is if I decide to use said forearm to strike you, different than just giving myself some space. Now we are talking about two complete ones: assault and, now, and one is self-defense. Now it's up to one of us to determine <sighs> intent. Andrew, Andrew, let's say let's say Mane, let's say Mane was entirely reckless and careless and threw his boot out at a ball. Yeah. And missed Ederson's face. Completely missed his Completely face. Completely missed. But but I mean it was obvious that he was reckless in the process. Like he's just thrown his foot up in the air and and Ederson happens to get out of the way. Yeah. Is that a red card? It's not even a penalty. Well, that's kind of what happened to Alfie Moffitt. Because it's about outcome. So I, I think we're comparing apples to oranges in this instance because uh, I don't think anyone would look at the Mane situation and say he's trying to kick Ederson in the face. Yeah, there's no intent because intent doesn't matter. Well, but but here's the point. In, in the laws of the game, there is a huge difference between striking someone Pushing someone, tripping someone, and there are different criteria for for most of them. Not all of them. Some of them are pretty similar. I'm not even going to say it because we've said it enough uh, this podcast. Today, uh, a guy, an offensive player was by a defender. No one but the goalie in front of him. He ended up being tripped by a defender. Yeah, but card. the defender was trying to noticeably change his angle and jump over the offensive player's feet so he could get on the inside because his position was trailing on the outside. But in that S, in that motion, you end up realizing his intent, let me finish, 
you notice his intent because if that guy just trips and they're running, that's a red card because this is unimpeded. But I don't care about his intent. Chance on the goal. Well, and that's he tripped up and a player in an obvious goal scoring opportunity. Isn't that a red card? It wasn't. It was a yellow card so because reality, he was trying was, but, not to do that. But wasn't that the wrong call? So first off, it was not an obvious goal scoring opportunity, and we can talk through dogs so all day. That's the right call. Second right. off, in the case of tripping, it doesn't matter what your intent was. You tripped the player. It is a foul. There are that's why I say there are certain situations where intent it's so complicated matter it's incredibly complicated and how do you how are you a referee like how do you live with because I'm a, a glutton referee. for punishment I don't know then <laughs> <laughs> that's why I say the crutch of all of this is in the opinion of the referee and that's where we come back to the report so the report dictates what comes next especially in the right. Premier League right because if you say you know outcome is what mattered on this play then that's obviously going to dictate whatever your bosses your whatever your whoever holds you accountable to your decisions right you know decides whether or not it was the right call right and and report writing matters um and it's a good insight into what the referee saw so for example the ronaldo situation if that referee says Ronaldo endangered the safety of an opponent because he used excessive force while elbowing the player. I don't think anyone's buying that. Uh, I, I don't. Even if you say he didn't swing his arm, the video evidence says it, otherwise. It's pretty clear that he didn't but, wind up and yeah. hit the guy in the temple. And so, if that report gets written, I almost guarantee that red card's getting overturned. Yeah. And so I, I, it in, in reality, yellow card felt like the right call. But I don't want to go off of what I. Think feel like is right yeah well because you don't like to see a player from the other team cry i mean ronaldo will cry if he gets a red card i would guess yeah Yeah, he does so i've always said that if i just teach my kids how to write well and interview well that they'll be fine in this world they'll at least be a good referee (laughs) that's what i was gonna say like if a referee can write well in comparison from what he sees to what the rules say or maybe not a good referee but at least a escape some punishment (laughs) (laughs) okay that's That's exactly that's everything i wanted to hear all right last thing i want to say is how hard is it to listen to announcers as a referee especially when announcers are critiquing close plays so in the gray areas i don't mind it uh everybody definition of a gray area uh so tony miola we've been picking on him all podcast um if he says something like oh it's not a penalty for me no one cares about your opinion. I was going to say, if, if the phrase for me is used, you just automatically throw that out. Right. No one cares about that. But I will give credit. Like Gary Neville, everything he don't says. Don't care about Gary Neville. <laughs> don't care. <laughs> yeah. But to give credit to someone I've been critical of in the past, Alexi Lawless has put his money where his mouth is, and he is a certified official. He has done Development Academy games. You showed he's, us a picture of him, actually. He started refereeing. Props to the guy. And... And it looked like it literally pained him to say this on a match a couple days ago. Someone was saying, oh, well, he's got the ball. You know, Brian referenced this scissoring tackle that someone's going to shatter a femur or something like that. Oh, but he got the ball. He's fine. And Alexi Lawless looks at everybody else and says, guys, just because you get the ball first doesn't mean it's not a foul. And, and so... Props to someone like Alexi Lawless who's willing to go out, give back to the game, and get more knowledgeable. So I don't mind it in those situations because as we've talked about, there's a lot of gray area where something might be a call, it might not be a call, and there's considerations to back up both of them. 
for fans of our pod who also actually watch the matches, when they hear an announcer talk about getting the ball first, is that pretty much code for I don't know what I'm talking about? That's what I assume. Yeah, that's okay. that's the first thing I assume. All right, cool. Well, what is it instead that the announcer should be saying at that point? Uh, I think the things that we've talked about, you know, is it careless? Is it reckless? You know, he got the ball first, but that's that's a trifling amount of contact. That's not a lot of contact. These are professional players. If they get nudged a little bit, uh, they can stand on their own two feet. Will soccer ever be able to get rid of the objectivity? The subjectivity? Uh, uh, Sorry, yes, the subjectivity. Will they ever be able to get to total objectivity, thank you, of refereeing decisions? I I hope not, quite frankly, because... You have so many sports that are are very robotic. Uh, I played baseball growing up, but there's so much to baseball that's just black and white, and it kind of makes the game boring for a lot of people. You either got to the base first or you didn't. I will say, even in spite of baseball adding replay, they will not get near an umpire being able to call his own balls and strikes. Right, exactly, exactly. So there there is... People reference so much, and announcers reference this. They 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 despise referees when they ruin the flow of the game, huh. and we lean on the flow of the game so much. And I think that's important. I think as much objectivity as we can create without ruining the flow of the game, without ruining the beautiful game, as so many people throw around, um, I think the better. VAR was probably created more for fixing offside calls as opposed to tackling in the box calls, right? I don't know. Um, so the the interesting thing is that a VAR cannot review an offside call just for the sake of reviewing an offside call. Uh, VAR oh can review goals and the lead up to them. They can review penalties and red cards and the lead up to a penalty, and they can review mistaken identity. Um, That's it. Four things. That's it. Those four things. Why has no announcer in the United States ever said that, given us that list? It's a short list, right? It's not hard to memorize. Like That would take care of a lot of the controversy around VAR. So the, the unfortunate thing and the reason why VAR is going to be a constantly evolving thing is because y- y- you had a handling the other day right outside the penalty area that was not called against PK. I thought it was a clear handling, but it was outside the penalty area. So guess what? Not reviewable of a VAR. Not a penalty situation. Specifically, mean PK from Spain, Gerard PK. Yeah, not Gerard a penalty PK. kick situation. Okay. Yeah, important distinction. Yeah, but it, so I think it'll evolve. So the the thing is, uh, this will be my biggest criticism. The reason why VAR says clear and obvious is because this year in the final for MLS, um, you had a a one nil game. The goal was scored by Josie Altidore, and from all the looks that we've seen, was a couple inches offside. Was two or three inches offside. Game-winning, cup-winning goal. But do we really want VAR saying, well, he was 1.3 millimeters offside. Let's take the goal off the board. I do. Is it reasonable to expect you a human being Josie. to do that? Well, I, they do it with a goal uh, decision. Uh, system. System. Thank yeah. you, Scott. Goal line technology. This is true. So... I mean, and reverting back to a tennis, this is not a tennis podcast, but is that tennis serve in or out? They will go to... If they challenge it, then they look, and if it's a millimeter yeah. out, then yeah. it's so out. You have a Suar- Same thing with... Uh, well, Luis Suarez, your teeth are offside. Uh, that's right. You can that score a goal off your teeth. 
so that could happen, Brian. Yes. So point being, at some point that may happen. Because you're right. If we're determining goals by millimeters, why are we not uh, determining offside by millimeters? And that's an important distinction. Everyone, like, again, we're, we're seeing this through American lenses, but the whole idea of replay in American sports leagues is we want to get it right. Yes. There's no weird, nebulous, clear and obvious standard. It's, is it right? Yeah. And I, I don't, don't know. Yeah, but you know, in thirty years, you don't want the mystique of something possibly being wrong as part of your club history. No, I don't. I, want I don't right. want Maradona handballs. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's A hand exactly of God. Right. But I also That's don't want this weird definition of clear and obvious to dictate whether or not VAR gets involved. If it was wrong, then I want VAR involved. Period. If the VAR official thinks the referee might have gotten it wrong and needs a second opinion. Buzz. Yeah. And the referee should not have a choice to ignore that buzz. The referee should have to look at it again. Yeah. That's fair. I yeah. don't care if there's eight minutes of stoppage time. I don't. I like eight minutes of stoppage time. I'm a Premier League fan. I'm used to eight minutes of stoppage time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's just. All right. Uh, Andrew, I'm going to give you the last word. We've peppered you with questions. Thank you so much for giving us a yeah, referee's absolutely. perspective. Give us. Yeah, whatever you have that that maybe we haven't asked you about that you were hoping you'd be able to speak to. So uh, we referenced this earlier. We talked about accuracy, um, and we talked about Alan Shearer. You know, prolific goal scores, and we have uh, situations where we don't think anything of the Gervinos who miss goals from inches away. We we don't think anything of a keeper who makes 15 saves but not 16 um but we vilify the referee for one mistake and you know if we look at this world cup i think var is a good example there have been clear mistakes but ultimately um there's been over 800 fouls and and maybe 10 errors maybe i'm being really generous and last study I saw is that in the Premier League, the accuracy of decision was 92%, which I think every referee would say is not good enough, quite frankly. But if the listeners would say, how accurate do I think referees are? I don't think they'd say 92%. And between MLS, between the Dutch leagues, between Italian leagues and the FA Cup, VAR has increased that to close to 99%. So I, I question the the helpfulness i question the um really the point of questioning one call when you have goal scorers who are supposed to carry the teams who are losing two to one and missed three shots when the referee missed one call out of 60 in a game here here that means i agree scott yeah in your face it's it's good stuff no oh. that, that's excellent andrew thank you man yeah appreciate yeah. it Thank you for uh, for showing back up. We he, he did not have to do this. Yeah, I agree. But he agreed to come on. And take our badgering. Take all of our questions. Some and, of which I didn't know. <laughs> some of which we sprung on you in an improv fashion. But, hey, I mean, your knowledge of the rules of the game are such that you can answer anything on, uh, off the cuff. You're buttering me up now. And amazing. we definitively answered that it's VAR and GIF. It is GIF. <laughs> okay. In one right. Hey, opinion. listen. 
Scott, as always, people can continually find us uh, on all the Fantasy Soccer FC mediums. Basically. Especially check our blog out this week. Yeah. Scott just put out a new piece. It's fantastic. Thank you. Uh, I'm not going to wait. This pod is long enough, but I promise you, uh, you will not waste your time uh, visiting the website, reading the latest blog. Scott, what was the title? I don't recall. Uh, I believe it's called FPL Analysis of Game Weeks 1 through 4. There we Ooh. go. Pretty scientific sound. Hey, when you Ooh. listen to us on iTunes, uh, always helps out when you give us a good rating. We love that, and it helps us show up. It helps other people find us like DraftKings accidentally, right? Yep. Nothing hey, like being found accidentally. We love that. Hey, for the Fantasy Soccer FC Podcast, until next time.